is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. The week of the NFL Draft. Quite frankly, I cannot wait for the NFL Draft. I don't know if it's because there are no sports right now. Or because I think we've got an infusion of young offensive talent that's going to help fantasy owners for years to come. Whatever the reason may be, can't wait to break it down with our NFL draft expert, Ryan Wilson. What's up, Ryan? Welcome back to Fantasy Football. Jamie's applauding. He's, it's a sitting ovation, but it's an ovation nonetheless. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> There it is. Standing up. Yeah, I don't know if that's a sarcastic applause or not, but I'll take Ryan, it. No, I, I mean, I, I do. I, I say it every chance I get. Ryan is one of my favorite coworkers. He is amazing at what he does. He busts his ass to make sure that our NFL draft coverage is as good, if not better, than anybody else. And I, I will sing his praises from now until eternity. I love Ryan. Thank you very much, Jamie. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here, Adam. Um, don't know what to say about that. We're going to talk about a lot of prospects today. Dave is also here. Dave, who is your favorite coworker? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good answer. Yeah. Good answer. So here, here's what I want to do. First, we have an exciting programming announcement. Tell you about what's coming up this week. I'll get to that. Before we do that, I want everybody's projected top five in the NFL draft right now. It's Bengals, Redskins, Lions, Giants, Dolphins. That's how it shapes up without any trades. Bengals, Redskins, Lions, uh, Giants, Dolphins. So, Ryan, I'll start with you. Give me your top five. His mock drafts and everybody else's mock drafts are available. CBSSports.com slash NFL slash draft. Give me your top five, then Dave, then Jamie. Ryan, kick it off. Uh, Adam, I'll, I'll preface it saying this. I don't know if there are going to be any trade-ups. I feel like the Lions uh, have sort of lost their leverage in terms of having teams trade up. And if that happens, I don't know if the Giants will be in any position at number four to be able to, to trade down as well. So top five, Burrow to the Bengals, Chase Young to the Redskins, Jeffrey Akuda to the Lions, the cornerback from Ohio State. And then the Giants have their choice of either Isaiah Simmons or Jedrick Wills. I think they go Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle. And then finally at number five, I think the Dolphins go with – Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle out of Georgia. Wow. I, right. I feel the same way as Ryan as far as there won't be any trades in the top five. I'm going to go because almost, there's almost never trades in the top five, it seems like, unless like there's a quarterback at the very, very top that a team's got to go and get. And I don't think that that's going to be the case this year. Burrow, Young, oh, uh, Derek Brown, not Okuda. Um, who's it for? The Giants. The Giants will take Simmons and uh, two at five. Two at five. Yeah. So Ryan has. I'm looking at your mock. I guess this is not the updated one. You had two at five, Ryan, to the Dolphins. And now you're changing that, though? I'll give you a little sneak peek, Azer. Uh, this is the, the mock draft you re- you're just reading came out literally Monday morning. So I have one more mock draft to do on, on Thursday morning. And I preview into Thursday morning mock draft where I lock down all 32 picks. And, and I feel 98% certain that those will be, will be the correct picks as they unfold in draft night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie, what's your top five? Uh, same top three as Ryan. I think the Lions are taking Okuda. Um, and then I think you're going to see the Giants go offensive line, whichever tackle they may fall in love with, whether it's Wills, whether it's Thomas, whether it's Becton. Uh, you know, could be. You got to pick one, buddy. Come on, Gettleman. 
Oh, Gettleman will screw it up. So whoever the worst one is, I'll take that one. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go Wills. Um, and then I think you see the Dolphins take Herbert. I think they uh, mm-hmm. they seem to be infatuated with with Herbert, and so I think that's the route they're going to go. I don't think they're going to take Tua. Wow, I can't believe. I think Tua. I think Tua's going to slide. I think it's going to be one of the the big stories on draft night. Is that how far he falls? He's going to fall to third overall to the Dolphins, who trade up with the Lions. You heard it I don't here think, first. I don't, I don't think th- there's enough buzz. I don't think the Dolphins are in on him. And smoke screens, baby. Smoke screens. <laughs> oh, you know what? Tua to me is make making the draft so exciting. You know, like because this time a year ago, everybody loved Tua. We thought he'd be the number one pick. We know obviously what his potential is. Ryan, let's talk about Tua Tonga Alabama's quarterback, his health, where you think he's going to go. Unfortunately for him, you know, the wrong year to have an injury, I guess, a serious injury because, you know, it's tough for teams to evaluate prospects this year. But Silliest injury? What's that? You said silliest injury? Serious injury. Oh, serious. Serious. That was a very silly injury. I mean, hip? Come on. That's why I I wanted to make sure I heard you. No, no, serious injury. Sorry. If I said silly, I meant serious. Um, But, yeah, he's so intriguing and huge storyline in the draft. What are you thinking right now with Tua? You're right, Azer. The the fact that he had that out of nowhere hip injury that that was so incredibly serious that we didn't know if he'd be able to play football again. That's where we're at, and that's where the whole teams are, are and trying to figure out what to do with him. I just don't know. I've gone back and forth on this. I, I heard at the Super Bowl that teams are really worried about his injury, and then he came out and ran around with his Instagram videos. Uh, so I don't know if that made anyone feel better about it, but at least we saw him being able to, to move. My second thought when seeing those videos is, okay, what happens when a 300-pound defensive tackle falls on you? Are you getting back up, or, or is that a wrap? So the Dolphins have those three first-rounders, and I feel like if you're at all invested in Tua in, in terms of feeling good about him, you take him with one of those three first-rounders just because first-round picks at quarterback work out 50% of the time anyway. But as Jamie points out, if they're not sold on him, it makes sense to go in a different direction, whether that's offensive tackle or I wouldn't take Justin Herbert that high, but if they love him, you know, that's certainly their, their prerogative to take him. So then what happens to Tua if he doesn't go at five? Uh, the other issue is, okay, Cam Newton's out there. Uh, Andy Dalton's available for trade. He'll be cut soon. Jameis Winston's out there. So those are backup plans for teams that perhaps don't want to take a chance on, on Tua. Um, just uh, full disclosure, I had him going five in the three-round three mock draft to come on Monday, but uh, on the Thursday final mock draft of the 2020 season, I had him going number six to the Chargers. But again, I don't feel great about that just because of the health concerns. Okay. Well, do you think that there's still a – if he's healthy, is there still a Burrow versus Tua debate? You know, is he is he that good if healthy? No, there's, there's not that debate, but the debate then becomes, all right, who's trading up with the Redskins or Lions to get Tua? If Tua's 100% healthy, that's the conversation because he he's that good. And luckily for him – Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, um, and last year's Kyler Murray paved the way for short run, uh, short running backs, short quarterbacks to uh, to be able to play, uh, to go as first round, uh, round picks and then play earlier uh, rather than later. So that's the terrible thing about the, all of this is that he he suffered that serious hip injury. Dave, what's the most intriguing storyline for you going into the draft? It's the quarterbacks and where they're going to go. And it's not just two, it's Herbert too and Jordan Love as well and and then going into day two, the other quarterbacks. I think that those guys are going to be. I think I'm really interested to see who goes second, third, fourth, and fifth. You know, we're hearing some hype now about Jalen Hurts and how you know maybe he's a little bit more than a developmental prospect at quarterback. 
what if he's the fifth quarterback taken? What if he's the fourth quarterback taken? Uh, there, there's a lot of intrigue at that position after Joe Burrow. Jamie, you and I were talking over the weekend, and yeah, I am really pumped for this draft. It's, I think it's, you know, look, there's not like a lot of pass rushers that are going in the first round. Uh, we're going to have potentially four offensive tackles going the first 15 picks or so. And I went back, I looked at the last five years of offensive linemen being drafted, and it's in the first round. It's it's a mixed bag, as it is with any position. Last year, the offensive linemen drafted in the first round didn't have much of an impact at all. You look at Atlanta took two of them. The, the Vikings took a, a center, did not pan out. Philadelphia drafted Andre Dillard, really maybe more for this year. Houston drafted Titus Howard. Jonah Williams got hurt. But um, the guys, I found the guys that went in the top 15 were pretty good players. Brandon Scherf, Eric Flowers, no, but Andrew Pete, Andrews Pete, Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin, Jack Conklin, Laramie Tunsil, um, Quinton Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Colton Miller. Like these are pretty good players overall. So you've got that going for it. It's a strong class there. But what is it? I know you're excited about this draft too. You kind of shared my sentiment. What is it about this draft that excites you? I'm excited about the receivers. I think it's such a deep class at receiver. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, I'll echo the same things both Ryan and Dave said, but I think the the receivers are going to be interesting as well. You know, once you get past the tenth pick, and then we start to see, you know, the Jets at eleven, the Raiders, the 49ers if they stay there, the Broncos, you know, which receiver comes off the board first? You know, is any team going to trade up for one of those guys? Um, as we talked about on our last show, you know, if the Eagles are one of those teams that trade up, you know, how intriguing would that be for what we talk about here? Fantasy wise. And then, you know, the backs as well. You know, I think it's going to be fun to see when we see the first running back come off the board. If, if somebody does, you know, jump into the back end of round one and, and make a move to take one of those running backs. And again, who's it going to be? You know, uh, Taylor looks like the best, but, you know, Swift is clearly a star and, and Dobbins has a lot of upside. And then, you know, what happens after that? So there's there's a lot of intrigue, uh, I think, almost at every position. But, you know, for aside from the quarterbacks, you know, I think just watching what these skill skill players and where they end up is going to be fun. All right, so I listened to the Friday show. It was very good, very helpful, good information about the wide receivers. You talked about if the Eagles traded up, who would you want them to get? And I think you all said C.D. Lamb. And, yeah, I, I want to just add to that because the Eagles need yards after catch so badly, and that's C.D. Lamb's specialty. I'm going to call him the Yak Daddy. We'll see if it catches on. Just going to throw that out what? there. The Yak Daddy? He's the yards. He's the Daddy Yak. The act dad. You told me before the podcast that you had a great nickname for CD Lamb, <laughs> and that's what you've got. Ryan, is he not the yak daddy? That's what he does. He makes plays after the catch. Ryan, Ryan, don't 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 count out to him. He's just just tell him the truth. <laughs> I, I don't hate yak daddy. I call him yak monster. So I think yak daddy uh, makes you sound a little younger, a little hipper. Yeah. Uh, now listen, you, that's you can't me. preface that by telling Dave Richard, "Hey, I have this great nickname. Listen to this," and then come out with the yak daddy. <laughs> but if you just busted out yak daddy, but yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what his Do you know what his given first name is? Oh, I do, I was just Adam, right? It. It is not Adam. What is it? Sedarian. Sedarian Lamb. Oh, Sedarian. I thought you were talking about Azer. <laughs> oh, no. The Adams is Adam. <laughs> but C.D. Lamb's is Sedarian. Does he follow you yet? Did he follow you back? Uh, who, me? Yeah, did you follow Ryan on Twitter yet? Oh, I oh, followed yeah. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant C.D. Lamb. All right, so I, 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 I do want to get back to the wide receivers, though, because one thing I don't know if you addressed, I may have missed it, is uh, well, you did. You you ranked the wide receivers for this year's class with the wide receivers from last year's class. But I want to know, Ryan. Like, 
are we going to get a superstar wide receiver in this class? We know it's super deep, but do you see the next Julio Jones, the next AJ Green, the next DeAndre Hopkins, the next whoever in these wide receivers? Well, I mean, you have to start with start start with the act daddy, right? I Hell mean, yeah. he has a chance. He has a chance to be really good. I, I think he has to go to the right. Is New York the Jets at eleven? Is that the right? place for cd lamb i think he'll get a lot of targets there i don't know what to make of adam case and i don't think that's uh, i'm alone in that regard but sam darnold certainly would love that jerry judy jerry judy ran a 449 or something in the combine so he's not a blazer like henry ruggs but he is the best route runner he has incredible hands even though he had a few focus drops last year and i talked to someone in the league during the during the football season the college football season and they thought that jerry judy has a chance to be the best wide receiver to ever come out of alabama and a lot of people rolled their eyes, and understandably so, because you, you mentioned Julio Jones, um, you have Amari Cooper, and the list goes on and on. But he has that type of special talent. And I feel like if he goes somewhere like the Broncos, or um, maybe he slips and he goes to the Eagles, then that that's a home run in ter- terms of a guy that can uh, contribute immediately and, and do it at a high level. And, and one other guy I will mention that I think has potential to be really good, even though he's raw, is Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. I actually like him a little better than Denzel Mims, who had a great senior bowl and great combine. But Brandon Ayuk is a four-down guy. He can return kicks. He's explosive. He's like Yak Daddy 2.0. So that's a guy to keep a, an eye on. He He's not polished, so he's not going to come in right away, presumably, and, and set the world on fire. But I feel like year two, year three, he could be a really good player. And we'll be talking about why was he drafted later than perhaps he probably should have been. Ryan, are you buying the, uh, the Ruggs talk as the first receiver off the board? I mean, people fall take- in love with him. Yeah, it only takes one team. But the thing is, like Alabama, they didn't scheme him open. He can get open. But they had they had four wide receivers on that team that are going to be first-round picks. Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell are, are going to come out next year and probably be first-rounders. So it was a little easier for him to get open. But to his credit, he doesn't just run deep routes and, and catch bombs all day. He can run just about every route. He may need to be a little more polished when he, when he gets to the next level and do that. And he – oh, he dropped one ball last year. So he can catch the football. Um, yep. So, yeah, if a team loves him, I, I could – see that i wouldn't do it i would go uh lamb judy and, and then rugs but you know it only takes one just like it only takes one to it, draft just I, I think i think you said you said something there that i don't think people really grasp he's not just the guy that runs straight you know people yeah, I think I mean, just, right, just right. feel like he's just a deep threat and deep threat only you know what the quote about mike wallace once upon a time he's a one-trick pony i don't think that applies to rugs i think once you see him play in a different system that you're going to find out he can do a lot of different things if you want an idea of just how athletic Ruggs is, Google or go on Twitter and look up his basketball highlights from uh, high school. Oh, my God. They're ridiculous. He is 5'10", 5'11", and he, you know, we were talking about the Michael Jordan documentary and at UNC when Michael Jordan hit his head on the backboard blocking the shot. That I would imagine that Henry Ruggs spends a lot of time with ice on his head because he's hit, he hits the top of the backboard, the, the, the backboard with his head because he's just so explosive. And it is cr- he looks like he's 6'5", the way he plays basketball. Do you have a problem with his physicality? Ryan, do you think that he just doesn't play physical enough and maybe that's the biggest weakness in his game? That's a fair question because he is, quote-unquote, undersized. And again, when you're playing at Alabama and they have four first-round man against Henry Ruggs, he also played a lot in the slot, so that that makes it a little more difficult. So that'll be the transition. Can he transition from being wide open 50 to 60% of the time to having to go up against these big, strong, fast cornerbacks and getting off the line of scrimmage consistently? Because if you disrupt the route of the line of scrimmage, that upsets the timing of the entire play and and, and so on and so forth. So th- that's a, a great point, Dave, and not uh, a point a lot of people are, are discussing when they talk about 427 and uh, rugs right. 427. 
the other the other point I'd make about Ruggs, and this is something that uh, I think Ben Gretsch would appreciate. He did. He wasn't a full time player at Alabama, and I think if you were to get a copy of the secret Alabama wide receiver depth chart, um, you'd see Jerry Judy one, Devontae Smith at two, and then Ruggs, because his produ- he only had you know a sliver of the production compared to Judy and Smith last year. And I, that's something that apparently stands out in the in the data mining community, that they they think that that's a, a telling sign that he might not be able to put it all together in the NFL and be a top flight receiver. Could he be a contributor? Sure. Could he get to Tyreek Hill's level? You know, the data suggests that he won't because he wasn't a full time player. But there is a lot to like about the speed. Obviously, he's got huge hands, very athletic, a lot of positives. I want to ask Dave and Jamie. The Jets are probably going to take a wide receiver or one of the offensive tackles. And they could easily take a wide receiver in the second round, obviously. But looking at their first pick, uh, if they take a wide receiver, is that just going to crush that wide receiver for you in terms of fantasy value? I don't know if it crushes him. I would hope that the volume would be there for him. And I'd feel better about that volume being there for Lamb and Judy than I would for Ruggs in that offense. Uh, I, I think I'd be excited about other receivers that get taken in the draft. And that would be just for this year. Down the line, when the Jets finally do the right thing and get rid of Gase and build a good offensive line around Darnold, I'd be real excited about the number one outside receiver in that offense. You have an interesting receiving core there now, you know, with Herndon coming back and the addition of Perryman, which is essentially a lesser version of Robbie Anderson, you know, depending on which Perryman you get. Um, but yeah, I think the, the the thing you hope for is what Ryan sort of alluded to is that that receiver would step into probably the most targets available. You know, just looking at it right now. I mean, you know, the Raiders could be in that conversation. Uh, the Eagles could be in that conversation, depending on what it is. But you know, the Jets don't have a true number one guy. You know, Crowder is not a true number one. Uh, Perryman is not a true number one. So, um, you know, and I, I get what Dave is saying about Gase, and and it makes sense, but. I'd like to see a year of Gase with a year of a healthy Sam Darnold because I, you know, I, I say it time and again, we don't know how healthy he was when he came back from mono. And at what point was he playing at a hundred percent with his full complement of weapons, which he did not have earned in for an entire season. You know, so I, I think whichever receiver goes there could still be in a good situation. But uh, I, I would agree with Dave that the, there are probably going to be some other scenarios where there's better fantasy options for at least 2020. I want to ask Ryan one more question about wide receivers. David, Jamie, feel free to ask more. And then I think we can move on to the running backs, who we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, on the podcast. But um, how much of a difference? Justin Jefferson, I don't know if he's the consensus number four in the rankings. I know if you just look at the NFL draft prospect list on CBSSports.com, it's Lamb, Judy, Ruggs, and then Jefferson. But their overall rank goes Lamb 10, Judy 12, Ruggs 15, Jefferson 27. How much of a difference is there between Justin Jefferson out of LSU and the top three guys? Yeah, you're right, Adrian. Like the the media, the draft media, those are their top four. NFL teams might feel differently. So Justin Jefferson ran a four four three at the combine, which is a lot faster than what people expected. The big question coming in was how fast is he going to be because he doesn't necessarily play that fast. He played mostly in the slot uh, last season for LSU, and he was Joe Burrow's go to guy, and Joe Burrow just wore him out. And um, you have to understand, sort of like Alabama, 
Uh, LSU had a ton of wide receivers. Jamar Chase, not coming out this year, he'll come out next year. He would probably be uh, the first or second wide receiver off the board this year. So he got a lot of targets as well. So Jefferson patrols the slot, and, and he did it effectively. Didn't face any press man coverage because typically you don't see that from the slot in in, uh, in college football. And um, we actually asked him about that at, at the Combine, and he said, if you watched uh, my first two years, I did play some outside, and I, had, I, I felt like I had no trouble getting off the line of scrimmage. So that's the concern. He doesn't play as fast as Lamb or Judy or Ruggs, um, but he also plays mostly inside. That And if he goes somewhere like the Eagles, for example, I love the fit there. We, we know about all the injuries last year towards the end of the season, but Deshaun Jackson presumably be healthy. Alshon will be healthy. Um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside will be in year two. And you have one more weapon for Carson Wentz to lean on. Uh, also love him going to the Packers at, at 30 uh, for those same reasons. And Aaron Rodgers clearly would, would um, enjoy having him instead of just having to throw the ball to Devontae Adams and a bunch of guys. So I think he's he fits a different role than, than maybe C.D. Lamb. Judy and Ruggs play a little bit in the slot, and so does Lamb. But I think he's not as explosive as those guys. And um, even though he ran really well at the combine faster than Lamb and Judy, he doesn't play quite that fast. Cool. All right, guys, let's go. Let's talk about running backs here. And by the way, I just want to add one thing in case people have forgotten, and I did forget. Deshaun Jackson played one healthy game, one game. He had eight catches, 154 yards, and two touchdowns in week one against Washington. So I think uh, that'll make Carson Wentz a really interesting player to discuss when the time comes, which will probably be on Thursday night when we record our uh, first post-draft podcast. So yeah, actually, I I should promote what we're talking about this week. Uh, We're going to have a few episodes. We're going to have, let's see, I think three episodes before Thursday night. We're going to have some interviews. Saquon Barkley is coming on the show. Scott Pioli is coming on the show, former GM. Daria Gumbawale already spoke to Jamie. We're going to air that interview as well. Um, so that's coming up this week. And we're also going to read some emails because the, the inbox is piling up, and I haven't forgotten about all of you. So we'll do a little bit of a mini mailbag at some point this week before the draft. We're going to be on Thursday night after the draft and Friday night after the draft uh, to do some recap shows. Maybe Saturday. Not sure about that. If not Saturday, we'll certainly come back on Monday with our ordinary, regularly scheduled programming. And you can watch HQ all week. You have to watch HQ all week. Unbelievable draft coverage. So please check that out. Now, you want to get in the podcast league, go to our Facebook page. Look for Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click on the link in the episode description. I'm going to link directly to the post. We're asking you for the for your top 10 in the NFL draft. Okay, predict the top 10 picks. Predict them in order. And whoever has the most correct gets in the podcast league. We're going to settle ties with uh, the, any tie goes to whoever submitted first. Um, but you'll see the rules in the post. But anyway, we do this every year. You pick the top 10, but it's got to be in order. Not just, oh, I got, you know, these, these seven players were top 10 picks. Well, it has to be the right order. Um, and our Twitch channel. We're debuting our Twitch channel tomorrow night, Tuesday night, April 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern. Dave, Jamie, Heath, and I are going to be broadcasting live from our Twitch channel. We're going to have NFL draft preview segments breaking down each position group, but we'll also be answering your chat room questions. Here's the URL. Go to twitch.tv slash today. Twitch.tv slash today, or you can search today on Twitch to follow us ahead of time. And we're going to put that link in the description of the episode. <sighs> okay, yeah, Adam, before you go on, uh, the stuff we're doing on HQ. So we're doing our FFT uh, hour-long shows on 
Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday and Wednesday. We're going to break down the running backs. We're going to have A.J. Dillon on the show from Boston College. Uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll break down wide receivers. Pete Prisco will be joining us for both of those shows. Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, leading up to the NFL draft, right before that other show, pick six something or other. Um, <laughs> that's uh, 6 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we'll be doing an hour of fantasy football today as well, getting you ready for the draft. And then Friday, we will be recapping slash previewing the rest of the draft uh, also at 5 p.m. Eastern before that other show with uh, Ryan Wilson and whoever else he's on with. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If they're not picking fictional football players in a draft, I, I don't really. No, yeah, check out Pick 6 this week as well. Pick 6 is going to be crushing it on HQ and the podcast. I think I'm done promoting. Let's talk about the running backs now. And Ryan, who are your favorites? Who's going to make an impact this year? Jamie talked about it earlier. I think the second round is when we see a run of these guys, and I'm actually pretty excited uh, about that um, because typically they don't go in round one in recent years for the most part, or if they do, they go late. But then the question becomes, where do they land in round two? Are they good fits? And, and I think the I love DeAndre Swift the most, but it's really close with about five of these guys. So the Lions pick at 35. Do they take a running back there? to help Matthew Stafford. And then the Chargers pick at 37. Do they find someone to help Austin Eckler now that Melvin Gordon's gone? And I love mocking uh, Jonathan Taylor there because he's a Wisconsin guy, a different type of player than Melvin Gordon, but he's obviously replacing Melvin Gordon. Uh, the Dolphins at 39, would they be in the running back business? Uh, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of LSU is, uh, he's like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, but he's he's built like a bowling ball. He caught 58 passes last year, if I recall correctly, from, from Joe Burrow. So he's that type of player, that type of versatility. He also runs really well. Uh, the Texans, would they be in the running back business at 40? They could certainly think about it. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins are, are potential landing spots there. And even at 49, when the Steelers are on the clock, they might look to target a, a running back. Should one of those guys that I just mentioned fall there? So I think the second round is, is going to be go-to time for for running backs and, and teams trying to find those running backs. And then someone like Zach Moss, who's a second-round talent but has an injury history out of Utah, he's a guy that could get in the third, maybe even the fourth round and end up finding out he's a really, really good player if he's able to stay on the field. Ryan, which of those guys during the interview process at the Combine impressed you the most? <clears throat> it's funny you asked, Jamie, because I was in the bathroom and I couldn't hear the conversation because <laughs> you were on set. So uh, I never – and those are literally the only guys I wanted to talk to you that week. <laughs> Why Why did you like Swift best of this group? He's great coming out of the backfield, catching passes. Um, he's not as dynamic as, say, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, in terms of the measurables, the combine measurables anyway, compare favorably to Saquon. He's not Saquon, but he ran a 4-3-9 or something. And um, the other issue with Jonathan Taylor, despite him being explosive, is that um, he had some issues with fumbling, and he also has a ton of mileage on the tires from, from being um, – I don't know, overworked, being worked a lot at Wisconsin. So uh, DeAndre Swift, I like the fact that he can catch the ball. He's really good as a pass protector, and, of course, he, he can run the ball. And he made life pretty easy for Jake Fromm, who had a much better 2018 than 2019, and, and a big part of that uh, success for Georgia's offense ran through DeAndre Swift. Dave, Jamie, your favorite landing spot for your favorite running back is what, Dave? Tampa Bay. For who? Uh, Taylor's my top-ranked running back, so I'd love to see him get handoffs from Tom Brady. Okay, Jamie, you can no longer have Jonathan Taylor to Tampa Bay. Who's your number two guy if, if Taylor's number one, and who, what's your next landing spot? Swift to Miami. Swift to Miami. Okay, and Jamie, you know, Jamie kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. I don't know, whatever the hell it was. There's not that obvious spot where a guy's going to go in and just 
immediately be the every down guy, right? Fair to say. It just, I mean, it, it that that could change depending on what happens right. Thursday. But yes, for the most part, there's to me Miami is is the one because I do think that in Tampa you'll still get Ronald Jones touching the ball. You'll get that in Jordan Howard too, but there's not the same commitment. Could we get that in Jacksonville? Yeah, Jacksonville. With all this news about yeah, right. Leonard Fournette yeah. being on the trade block, maybe that's a spot. Yep, where a running back could come into play. And I don't think we're going to get it in Kansas City, no matter when they take a running back. I just, I feel like they've they've learned to get by with using multiple backs now. So even if they, it, let's just say they take Taylor with their first round pick, and now he's off to Kansas City, I bet he's still going to share in his first year, at least through the first half of uh, of this coming season. It would just be crazy to see them do that in the first round. I, I see agree. It would be at, weird, but I've seen it mocked point. that way. I, yeah. I, at what point though? Like recently. Because previously I've seen that mock that way. We talked about this, uh, Ryan, on the Friday Pick Six show, right? Sean uh, Wagner McGuff was saying that he 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 saw that early in the mock draft process. I don't know if you mocked at some point a running back to the Chiefs, but since the DeAndre Washington signing, it just doesn't make sense that they would add a running back in the first round. Also, uh, Andy Reid has never taken a running back in round one, and I think the only one he's taken in round two is LaShawn McCoy. So I've done that in my previous mock drafts, uh, had them going 32 to the to the Chiefs. But um, Andy Reid, if history is in any, any indication, will will not be making that happen. So we'll come back to running backs. I'm going to ask you for some sleepers later in the show. But, I, you know, quarterbacks, we don't necessarily talk much about uh, as far as you know the rookie impact that they'll have. You know, obviously most of them don't have huge rookie seasons in terms of fantasy, but it's huge for Dynasty, and it's just, look, they're quarterbacks. So... I'll ask you about tight ends in a little bit, but just give me your thoughts on the quarterbacks, what we haven't covered already. Burrow's going to, you know, Burrow's number one, obviously. You talked about Tua, but how do you feel about the other guys? Well, like I mentioned, I, I like Jordan Love a lot, and I think his issue was trying to do too much last year, and he said that, and and uh, Darwin Thompson, who played with him, said that as well when we talked to him at the at the Super Bowl. I would take Jordan Love over Justin Herbert. I don't love Justin Herbert. Um, I, I think... Here's what it would have sort of come down to. So Mr. Trubisky came out of UNC with one-year production, and he was obviously overdrafted, but you understood, okay, we're taking a chance on him him uh, progressing. He hasn't quite done that, but whatever. Uh, Josh Allen, same sort of story in that he played for a Wyoming team that was, in pre-Pisco, Pete Briscoe's words, filled with bouncers and bartenders outside of Josh Allen. So he has his issues accuracy-wise, but he has, he's athletic, and he seems to be getting better. Justin Herbert falls in the category with those two guys. The issue is he started four years at Oregon. He has not gotten he has not gotten considerably better, and, and I think that's a concern if you're drafting him top five or top six. I just don't trust him. I, he's a, I say this all the time. He's a second round pick if you watch him play, but I understand you know the demands of um, the quarterback demand out, outstrips supply. I get all that. So then, and Dave talked about this earlier. Where does Jalen Hurts fall? Where does Jake Fromm, Fromm fall? And, and Jacob Easton. So uh, after. The top four we talked about, I go Jacob Eason, then Jalen Hurts, and then Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm, to me, feels like Matt Barkley. So if you love Matt Barkley, mm -hmm. if you're a member of the Barkley family, you take him first overall. Nobody else. By the way, fun fact, P, uh, Will Brinson's first mock draft after uh, the 2019 draft last May, he had Jake Fromm going number one overall. Be sure to point <laughs> that out to him. But he, <laughs> he, he is Jake Fromm is, is a day three guy, and he does some things well. He's a, a nice backup, but he I don't think he's a starter. Um, as I, as I mentioned, Jalen, um, Dave talking about Jalen hurts. He intrigues me. 
because um, he ran really well at the combine, and that was an issue. Um, so we know he can run by watching him play, but he's actually pretty fast. He's I compare him to Taysom Hill, but he throws the ball better than Taysom Hill. So he can do a Taysom Hill things for you in year one. And, and then in year two, you can decide whether you want him to be your starting quarterback if he's progressed enough. Jacob Eason, I wish he had returned to Washington. But um, he played really well the first half of the season, and then things started to slow down uh, in terms of that production, whether teams figured him out or whether he was just tired because he didn't play the previous year from sitting out and there's too much going on. Whatever. Uh, strong arm, but uh, he makes a lot of mistakes, and he's a developmental guy for being real about a second or third round pick. Anything to add, fellas? Hurts, Hurts could be an interesting one if the Dolphins and Chargers don't take a guy in round one. Because if he it goes to one of those two destinations in round two, or maybe they trade back into the first round, or, you know, Dolphins' case, um, if all the other top four guys are gone and they decide to maybe pull the trigger at 26, which I doubt, but, you know, you never know. Uh, but in any event, if he ends up in a situation where there's no guaranteed starter in front of him, because I doubt he's going to get drafted as a starter. So if he goes to a situation, let's say, like the Ravens, it's terrible for him in terms of hurts. But if he goes to Miami or the Chargers and it's, okay, sit behind Fitzpatrick or Taylor for however amount of time that may, may be, then he becomes extremely interesting. And I think you can make the case that if Tua or Herbert are in bad fantasy spots, Hertz could be in position to be the second best fantasy quarterback of this class. I think scheme matters so much for so many of these quarterbacks. And with with Hertz, if if a team drafts him with the design of putting him in an offense that he had at Alabama or at Oklahoma, probably more Oklahoma than Alabama, um, I, I think that that's a really good thing for him. I think Hertz could eventually be a good West Coast offense type of quarterback. Like I saw what he did in college, and I thought to myself, well. Ryan Tannehill did the same thing for the second half of last season with Tennessee. Why couldn't Jalen Hurts do exactly that and give them even more of a rushing threat in that offense? I, I kind of fell in love with that idea, and then the Titans went and gave Ryan. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him a as a. I don't see him as a West Coast quarterback. I think, I think he could do it. Yeah, I, I think that. he could do it. I don't think he could. I don't think he could handle you know a, a, a more challenging offense. But I, I like how he has poise in the pocket. Sometimes he's kind of tone deaf in the pocket, and he doesn't even feel the pass rush coming. Um, but short area accuracy, I think he's got it. Quick decision making, I think he's got it. Athleticism to roll out of the pocket, I think he's got that too. So there's a lot there's there's a lot of upside, but it comes down to fit. And if he goes to a team where he's going to have to sit for a while, then obviously fantasy managers won't be that excited about him. What I saw with Herbert, the thing that scares me off Herbert Ryan is that every time there was a clutch play to be made, he was off target. He was scatter shot. That makes me nervous that he he wasn't as much of a gamer as Burrow and Tua were. And so when you see the highlights of Justin Herbert, he's making great plays when there isn't a lot of pressure on to win the game. And I wonder if there's something there that is kind of messing him up that he's pressing too much. And that's what we saw from Jordan Love in 2019. I thought he was pressing like crazy. Uh, Ryan, you were the one that tipped me off to this about how the coaching staff totally changed, the offense totally changed, and and Jordan Love was basically a the same quarterback in a completely different squad moving from 2018 to 2019. And that's why his 2018 games look great. And his 2019 games didn't look great. I think love might have the most upside of any quarterback, not named burrow or tago in this draft. And I almost want to see him end up on a team where he sits for a year and they, he kind of he goes the Mahomes route where they let him sit. And then he's the starter for that team in 2021. And, and the team that I would love to see him go to in that regard would be Indianapolis. I think he'd be a great fit there where he watches Philip Rivers play for a year 
and then he knows the offense going into 2021. And he just he's lights out. Adam, can I add something real quick? Mm, I don't know. All right, fine. Come on, come on, yeah, Daddy. <laughs> so, Dave, to your point, that that's a great point and something that um I've heard uh, but forget, failed to mention earlier in terms of the Colts. The Colts might be a team to watch in terms of one that trades up into the bottom of the first round, especially if someone like Jordan Love slips. Uh, Dave, I thought you were going to say the Saints as a, a favorite landing spot for Jordan Love, which I love. No, no, as no. Well. They've got they've got Taysom Hill apparently. That's who they want to go with. <laughs> My goodness, thirty year old Taysom Hill. I know. 12, Twelve surgeries, but I feel like Jordan Love goes there for a year, sits and goes the Patrick Mahomes route, doesn't have to play, doesn't have to think about anything, and then in that Sean Payton offense, I just feel like you are set up for success. And uh, so the Colts and the Saints are, are my two favorite landing spots. I'm glad you tipped me off to the Colts. I just want to add something on Jalen Hurts. He just just to compare his numbers to Lamar Jackson, his rushing numbers. No, they are not quite the same, but impressive. Thirteen hundred rushing yards for Oklahoma's quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who was the quarterback at Alabama for three years, transferred to Oklahoma, 1,300 rushing yards, 20 touchdowns in 14 games. How does that compare to Lamar Jackson? I mean, this just actually makes you realize how amazing Lamar Jackson is. Basically, two years in a row with 1,600 rushing yards in 13 games uh, for Lamar Jackson at Louisville. It's much, much less talent around by comparison. I'm sh- yes, I mean playing at Alabama and Oklahoma compared to Louisville. Yes, great system though for Lamar Jackson. But oh my goodness, sixteen hundred yards, amazing. But thirteen hundred rushing yards, twenty touchdowns for Hertz in uh, fourteen games, and a terrific year for him. Do fantasy owners need to care about the tight ends in this draft, Ryan? Uh, I remember last year we were having this conversation, Adam, and I talked about Jay Sternberger at Texas A and M, and you mistakenly said something about uh, Texas A&M football, and I think you heard about it for a while, so I don't want to... <laughs> I do not I do not even remember that. What did I say? You bashed, you bashed it. I bashed yeah, A&M football? <laughs> I think Why so. would I, I do think that? It was, it was completely arbitrary. Like, you weren't trying to do it. I think uh, either you were misunderstood or you just said it off the cuff and, and not really giving it much thought. And I, I didn't give it much thought until you brought it up later. But to your point, um, there is not a lot to love about the tight end class it's it's pretty weak and depending on who you are either you like Cole Komet out of Notre Dame as your number one guy Brady Quinn will tell you he's a second round pick maybe a first round pick I wouldn't take him until the third round um he he's big he's sort of the the most prototypical inline tight end in this draft class at least it'll get drafted pretty high Adam Troutman's probably number two out of Dayton uh he he's athletic and he dominated uh the FCS Dayton uh Wherever, whatever they play in, I don't know the conference, but it's a non-scholarship uh, conference. So uh, even, you know, the, the competition is even less than, than typically you see in FCS compared to FBS. After that, a, a guy I like a lot, but didn't have a great combine, and maybe, because, maybe because he had gained too much weight and he does struggle with drops. But Hunter Bryant out of Washington, he has a little Evan Ingram in his game. He, he's not going to block you uh, necessarily, but he, he's a guy who can split out wide and, and he can do some damage in the middle of the field. And when he's focused, he, he's really good. And... Um, so I, I like him as my third tight end. And then I'll mention Thaddeus Moss, who's Randy Moss's son. Not nearly as, as, as athletic as his dad, which is no surprise. And I think he was more, uh, be, he more benefited from playing in that LSU system than necessarily being a, a standout tight end who, who will go in the first or second round. He's probably a, a mid-day three guy, but um, has a little experience. He, he, can, he can block a little bit, and, and then he can be your second or third tight end option, which does little for you in, in terms of fantasy value, I would imagine. Brian, Brian pronounce, you pronounce, my, the uh, tight end, pronounce the tight end from Missouri's name. Oh, Big O. <laughs> Albert uh, O. 
Aquebunum. Aquebunum. I'll just keep saying Aquebunum. <laughs> I actually I don't know think I know this. Uh, I, I I wrote it in my notes somewhere. But oh, what do you got? I, I have to look it up. But I just want to tell you, that, uh, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. Purdue sucks. One of the five worst <laughs> colleges in the country. Pathetic. <laughs> I don't know. I just picked that one. Uh, any any sleepers at running back or wide receiver for you, Ryan? Oh, I thought you were serious about Bryson Hopkins. I like that. You just throw it. You're doubling down. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, just sleepers and wide receiver. Last year was A&M. This year it's Purdue. Why not? <laughs> I was like, man, Adam really hates Purdue. That's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Pittman, I don't even know if he's a sleeper at this point, but we typically talk about him as a second or third rounder, the wide receiver out of USC. 6'4", he ran a 4'5'40". He's like a an amazing special teams player, which is more for football, not fantasy football purposes, in terms of being a gunner. But uh, he high, he's a high-point catch guy. He's a contested catch guy. He gets open down the field. And the, the issue with him is he's just in this deep, uh, deep wide receiver class. And one other guy I'll mention, and um, – Dave and I both really loved him at, at the Senior Bowl. Van Jefferson um, from Jamie's alma mater, Florida there. His dad's Sean Jefferson, the, the Jets uh, wide receivers coach. He's probably the second best route runner in this class after um, Jerry Judy. Um, if you want to, and, and the issue was would he time well? And he didn't run at the combine. He had a foot injury. But if you go back to the Senior Bowl, he was one of the fastest players timed during the practice sessions of anyone there at wide receiver. So he, he can run. And I love the idea of him going to somewhere like Tampa Bay in round three because he will get targeted 50 or 60 times. He plays the slot, um, and we know that Tom Brady loves wearing those guys out, and he can come in right away and contribute because he is so polished as a route runner and the things he's able to do in, in, in terms of getting himself open. Quick note that everybody wants to know. Albert O, oh, his last name is Okwebunam, and it means... Uh- Evil cannot bring us down. He actually has a very uplifting and inspirational name. He's Nigerian. And he actually is, a, is an interesting prospect because he's got good good size, good speed, but he missed a lot of time with injury, played through injury, and wasn't as productive. But I, I think he's actually somewhat of a dynasty sleeper, Albert O, Missouri's tight end, um, which means I Agreed. wasn't really paying attention to what Ryan said there because I was looking up what his last name <laughs> meant. So Dave and Jamie... Uh, if you'd like to add on to the sleepers at running back and wide receiver. One of my favorite receivers is Antonio Gandy-Golden. I've taken him in a lot of drafts that we've done. I, I'm I'm excited to see where he ends up from from Liberty. And then Darrington Evans from Appalachian State, the running back as well. Um, those are those are two guys I'm interested outside of the, uh, the obvious uh, running backs and receivers that we're probably going to see drafted. I'm in love with Jalen Rager. I like him better than Henry Ruggs. I think he can make a... A sizable impact if he goes to the right squad. I think his ceiling is Stefan Diggs. And hopefully he goes to a team that has a better passing situation than what Diggs has been dealing with <laughs> throughout his career. But uh, I love the speed. Uh, I love the, uh, the the juice that he has in his routes. He's got great acceleration. Uh, he's a double-move king. I, I, want, I, I can't wait to see where he goes. Um, and we didn't bring up Denzel Min's name. Love him. And Ryan... That's that's another name that was at the Senior Bowl, Ryan, and we saw him. And, and when we arrived at the Senior Bowl, I'm not sure if there was much hype about him. But then you just you, you watched him run, and and you see how big he is. He's uh, he's almost six three, two hundred six pounds, and I mean he's 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 physical, and he can run a sub four four. So there's going to be a lot of interest in him. There's a chance he could be a first round pick. And I, I don't think he's a polished receiver. I don't think he's anywhere near as polished as some of the other guys that we've talked about. 
but he's got potential to be awesome in fantasy. Yeah, 4.3840 at his size, Denzel Mims. I mean, that's just that's something that you have to pay attention to. And we'll right. see where he the lands. The thing that stood out to me when I watched him is that I, I don't feel like he's got a second gear, but his first gear is pretty damn good. And I, I don't know if he can necessarily separate with speed. I think he uses power. He pushes off and stuff like that. And I think that's how he gets open more than anything else. Ryan, good stuff, man. Thank you for coming on. Standing ovation for Ryan Wilson. I appreciate it, as always. It's great to have you on. All right, we're going to finish up with some notes from around the NFL, including something that Dave made reference to, Leonard Fournette potentially being on the trading block, and uh, a few other things. That's Ryan Wilson. What? What? I I do follow him on Twitter. Is it at Ryan Wilson? <laughs> What's your Twitter handle? Right, at Ryan Wilson CBS. Ah, okay, at Ryan Wilson CBS. There probably are a lot of Ryan Wilsons out there. Um, all right, so follow him on Twitter. And follow all his coverage for the NFL draft. And uh, let's talk uh, about the players that are currently in the NFL right now. So your news and notes. Two players that might be on the trading block, depending on what you believe. Leonard Fournette and Odell Beckham. Jamie, what do you believe? I believe Fournette is definitely on the trading block because he plays running back and was selected by a guy who's no longer running the team. So makes a lot of sense, especially with his uh, fifth-year option coming up. Um, I do not believe Beckham was on the trade block, so... Uh, expect him to be with the Browns once again in 2020. Does this give you guys less faith in Leonard Fournette? Let's just say he stays with the Jaguars, doesn't get traded. Does, yes. Does, yeah, gives you less faith? Yes, I've, I've already moved him down. This is not a good sign. Uh, and, if he stays with Jacksonville, no, um, because I think he'll have every incentive to try and earn a contract somewhere, and I think he'll, as long as he stays healthy, he'll put up good numbers. Let's go through some of those... Uh, green zone numbers, Dave, or near the goal line and what the Jaguars did last year. He only had eight, seven carries inside. No, he had uh, eight carries inside the five-yard line, which ranked 18th in the NFL. However, according to Pro Football Reference, Fournette was the only running back with 100% of his team's carries inside the five-yard line, but still only eight. And when they got near the goal line, Dave, what did they do? Uh, They threw more than they ran. Yeah, I, I think to a surprising degree, no? I was kind of blown away by it. What's the green zone? Green zone's inside the 10, but I said well, they were, near the goal line. They were pretty even in the red zone and the green zone. Uh, I can't believe I just said green zone. Look, Ben Gretsch says green zone, so you can say it. It's not a Yeah, it just thing. inside the 10. It's almost the same amount of syllables. All right, so... <laughs> no, it's is it? not. 63 passes, 62 runs in the red zone. That's as close to 50-50 as you can get. What Jay Gruden you know, do his last 50-50. year as a coordinator? Yeah, this is last year, Jamie. Uh, I know, I'm saying 10, that's what, what, what did Jay Gruden do last passes, year? That's, that's what I think matters most. Is well, what yeah, but, let's, I, but this right, is but the point. I, I think the point is, is that inside the five, they threw 17 times. They were all Minshew and only eight runs, and those were all Fournette. And their OC was, and this is to your point, Jamie, uh, John DiFilippo, who's now been fired twice for passing too much as a play caller. Gruden is a different story. I would imagine he will try and run it a little bit more. And I think that they can look at that data and say, all right, we leaned on our six-round rookie a little too much at quarterback. Maybe we should go ahead and and you know use our power back if he's still their power back. Um, I, I think it's interesting. They're trying to trade him. I think they're realizing that they're not going to get much for him. Why not just keep him, run him into the ground, and then get some type of compensatory pick for him when you let him walk out the door? 
right? And don't give him the fifth year option. So for now, I'm nervous because if he gets traded, what kind of a situation is he going to go to? Is it going to be as good as the one that he was in last year, where he had a ton of touches and total yards and should have had more touchdowns because they had these plays inside the five and they didn't give it to him? I don't think the potential's there. And if he stays, then there's no guarantee he's going to get worked into the ground like I'm thinking that he would. So I'm I'm much more nervous to draft Fournette now than I was four days ago. If they don't trade him and they don't add anybody, then you're looking at a situation of probably going to upgrade the offensive line with their pick at nine. Oh, you, you think so? You think they go tackle? I think they're either going to go C.J. Henderson or tackle. Okay. That, w- that would be my guess. And uh, they could always improve the interior line in round two. Yeah. Oh, do they have a round two pick? Well, they have two first. So, right. you know, so they, they could they always could, get one in 20. Yeah. They, they can kind of and, – and look, if they're really in love with any of the tackles, they could package something to move up. Um, they have a 42nd sure pick too. So 9, 20, uh, and 42 for Jacksonville. So, you know, they're, they're in an interesting spot. I will say this. Uh, if you can somehow get Reichel Armstead cheap, now's not, now's not a bad move to do so uh, in Dynasty. Yeah. So his value obviously went up over the last few days, but it's not a not a bad guy to try to explore getting. Um, some some interesting spots for him. You know, we we talked about Ryan. I think Kansas City would be interesting to go try and get him cheap if they can. You know, as as an answer, uh, Seattle would be interesting. You know, with what they're dealing with from an injury standpoint, these aren't going to help his fantasy outlooks. But um, Miami and Tampa Bay, you know, both those teams as well. Um, you know, he uh, he profiles as a much better pass catcher than Jordan Howard, but he has a similar style, you know, of, of just being a physical runner that can run between tackles. But I think he's a much better overall player. Um, in Tampa, he would, you know, easily be an upgrade over Ron Jones. So, you know, those are teams that if you can, you know, get it, get him cheap fourth round pick, I, I think that's something that those teams should explore, especially if you're Kansas City and Seattle with their win now scenarios. Leonard Fournette for OJ Howard, who says no? Tampa. Really? Okay. They think OJ they, Howard. They, OJ Howard's was much more than the fourth round pick, and then a running back of his caliber. I don't. Maybe so, but he hasn't really shown it. Certainly not last year. He didn't show it. What do you think? Yeah, you're getting and, I, and I, don't, I don't know if Fournette's going to even get a fourth round pick in trade. There's, there's no way I'd make that trade if I'm Tampa. So, just a few more notes I want to get to here, but I do want to finish the show talking about the Seahawks receivers. Uh, Andy Dalton said there's a scenario where he could return to the Bengals. Let's see. The Patriots could trade guard Joe Tooney as if they need their offensive line to, to be any worse, but they franchise tagged him, so if they don't want to pay him big, they could trade Joe Tooney, and we'll see where he goes. Uh, let's see. Kenny Stills and Kiki QT could be traded or released, reportedly. The Bears released Trey Burton. Steve Kime wants to sign Kenyon Drake to a long-term deal in Arizona. We've, we've heard that before. And then this note about DK Metcalf. Seattle apparently going to move DK Metcalf around and, you know, it, all three of you, I, if you could speak for Heath, you all have Lockett ahead of Metcalf, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you know, Not much, speaking for Heath. Do you know if there's industry buzz about Metcalf ahead of Lockett? Because it doesn't seem, I, I don't know of any. And Lockett, before Lockett hurt his leg in week 10, he was the number three wide receiver in fantasy <laughs> in both formats. He was just having a huge year. And Metcalf is actually Metcalf top 20. Up. Um, and then after that, like neither of them was very good to be quite honest, because Wilson kind of struggled. People forget that last seven games, Lockett. Metcalf wasn't good. Not really. He actually was not even a top forty wide receiver. It's kind of surprising. Uh, he had a game where he had 
no catches with one target against Arizona. Um, he finished strong. He had a big week 17, and he had a big game in the playoffs. But neither of those guys were top 40 wide receivers. Metcalf had 375 yards and two touchdowns in his last seven games. Lockett had 290 yards and two touchdowns. And that was after Lockett got hurt. And I just, I don't know if you guys recall, but we were arguing or debating so much about Russell Wilson because he just wasn't doing that well um, in fantasy after the Lockett injury. And Lockett didn't miss any time. Uh, But, you know, he got hurt. They had a bye. He came back. I don't know. I never heard how much of a big deal that was, how much it factored in. But if you guys just want to talk about Lockett versus Metcalf. We we did, we spent some time on Lockett last week. Uh, he was certainly one of the first half stars, uh, first half heroes, I believe. You might have heard my I do my singing. I, yes. I loved uh, it, Dave. I actually laughed like a lot. <laughs> and that. the thing that makes me optimistic about Lockett is that he looked fine in the playoffs. So he came back. His 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 target share went up. His catch rate went up. His receiving average went up. He was back to normal in the playoffs. And I think any receiver that is going to get a lot of playing time with Russell Wilson. Uh, especially potentially this year with their defense maybe taking a big step back. Their run game could take a small step back. I think there there are numbers to be had. I just don't like the mistakes that Metcalf made. Uh, I'm, I certainly am excited about him. If he's lining up in the slot, that's going to be a huge problem for defenses to try and line up with him uh, as a slot receiver. But that's kind of where Lockett has been great. Is, has been lining up in the slot. So I don't know if that's, yeah, if, if they put them both in the slot, then what's that going to look like? Uh, it could go back and forth. Really, they just need to make sure that Metcalf progresses in his second season, has fewer drops, um, you know, continues to win contested catches and downfield throws, and just let Russell Wilson continue to work his magic. That would be the best for both of those guys. If it's a round difference between the two, you take Lockett. If it's more than that, you take Metcalf. Gotcha. I'm just hoping like, that Metcalf can. I think Metcalf can do. Th- I know Metcalf can do things that Lockett can't do, and I'm sure Lockett can do things that Metcalf can't do. But I, I think Metcalf has a chance to be a true number one outside receiver that can move around, like you, Jamie was saying. Big. Yeah, because he's, he's big he's and he's fat. <laughs> he's just a unique. He's just he's just a freak. He's a complete genetic freak. He was made in a laboratory. So I'm hoping that Metcalf can bust out this year and actually jump into a, a level of wide receiver that that uh, Lockett never really could quite get to. Thoughts? Well, if you're betting on that, you draft him in round five. and Yeah, that's the thing. If, if you're talking about it's, it's round four for Lockett, round five for Metcalf, I'd rather take Lockett. If you're talking about it's round three for Lockett and round five for Metcalf, I'll just wait and take Metcalf. I like big people. Maybe it's a complex. I'm not sure. But... Well, on behalf of big people everywhere, <laughs> thanks, Adam. You're welcome. Ah, good show, guys. How's it, how was your week? Everybody good? Everybody doing well? Yeah, had a great time on the golf course. No, the LOL. <laughs> I just had a disappointing <laughs> delivery this morning. Once again, did not get the toilet paper that I ordered. So you gonna be all right? I, for another, I think probably another month. But yeah, the thing is, napkins. I don't know, and I don't see how I don't see how I'm going to get toilet paper the next month. So we are, uh, you know, Laspada's down here is giving away a free roll of toilet paper with every online order. No way. Can you get Laspada's? Ship me both the sub and the toilet paper. I would appreciate that. I can do that for you. (laughs) All right, everybody, Uh, we're out of here. The uh, Daddy Yak is out. 
for Dave, for Jamie. Yeah, daddy. For Ryan. Daddy, yeah. <laughs> for Ryan Wilson. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you later in the week.